church. How are you guys doing today? Welcome, welcome. My name is Josh. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm so glad to be hanging out with you guys in, on a Sunday morning, and just so glad for any of you that are new here as, as guests. Welcome. We're excited that you're here. Hey, can you help me give it up for anybody that's watching online and at our Lighthouse Point location? Man, we love you guys. So glad that you're joining us today. And before we kind of dive into day, to today's message, I want to make sure we honor a couple people. Uh, number one, I want to honor my pastors, Pastor TJ and Shayla. Let's give it up for them. You know, ab- about nine years ago, my wife and I were, were packing up our stuff in Northwest Arkansas and, and decided, man, there, there was a call of God to, for us to move to South Florida. And we knew two people when we moved here. We knew TJ and we knew Shayla. And, and it's been an incredible journey. We've seen Coastal uh, in a lot of different forms. We've seen it mobile. We've seen it one location, now two locations, going on more. And uh, just excited for what everything, uh, everything that God is doing in this place. And I think what's happening at Coastal is really special. I think you're a part of something so incredible. And so TJ and Shayla, I love you guys. Um, I wouldn't want to do this with anybody else. They're, you're the best pastors, the best friends, the best mentors, and just so thankful thankful for the investment that you guys have made in us. So can we honor them today? Um, I want to also honor my wife. Um, I would not be able to do most of what I do without her. Most of the time, she is the Holy Spirit, uh, the voice of the Holy Spirit in my life. She's here on the front row. Give it up for her. Her name is Andrea. You've probably seen her lead worship a couple times. I think she's the best worship leader on the planet. And so uh, I want to show you a picture of my family as well. This is my family right here. So they're cute. They're adorable. There's four of them. We're totally outnumbered, so pray for us. Um, we've got Marshall, James, Ember, and Nevaeh, and just excited for everything that God's doing in their life. My, my youngest is actually right here on the front row, Ember. Love you, baby. Um, and so, yeah, I, I'm really excited for what God is doing, excited to bring today's message. And this is something that I feel like God has been depositing in me for a, for a while. And I want to talk about this, this word or this idea of worship and I actually started out as one of the worship leaders on staff. That was the, kind of the first thing I got to do uh, in our high school location in Monarch High School in Coconut Creek. And, and so worship has always been something I've really been really passionate about. And I think it can be this thing that's a little bit difficult to identify and define and quantify. So I want to give us kind of like a working definition, kind of a, a foundation of what worship is. And I put it in your notes like this. If you guys will actually write this at the top, um, if you're taking notes, I would encourage you to take notes. You guys will remember things a lot better, 80% more likely to remember stuff if you take notes and write it down. So worship is putting the value you hold for something on display. So I'll say that again. Worship is putting the value you hold for something on display. And I, when I've been thinking about worship and, and thinking about how do we explain this, because there's a lot, of different, a lot of different ideas about what worship is and, and, and how do we kind of explain that? Well, Zach Neese puts it like this in his book, How to Worship a King. He said the word worship actually comes from this old English word, worth-ship. Everybody say worth-ship. worth-ship. It's a little bit of a tongue twister. You got to be careful there. But it literally means to give something worth, to demonstratively attribute value, especially to a deity or God. And so what, what that means is worship is connected to a lot of things in your life. And I'm probably going to, I might step on some toes here, Parkland, so, so just don't get offended. But worship is connected to things like your calendar, like you value your time, right? 
And, and so I can probably look at your calendar and how you stack your time and, and how, how busy you are. What a, what a buzzword in our culture. What a popular word in our culture, right? I can probably look at how busy you are and see, man, there's, there's some value for this person in their time. How about this? Uh, worship is connected to your kids. Oh, parents. Come on now. How many birthday parties do we have to go to in one weekend? right? Like how many, how many sporting events can we stack and stack and stack? And I'm not saying that your kids aren't valuable, but I can look at how you center them in your life and see the value that you place on them. How about, how about this? We don't like to use the word, uh, we, we, don't, we don't like to talk about money, but we're going to talk about money because worship is connected to your money. And we don't like to use the B word in church, but your budget, or I can probably look at your budget or maybe the lack of your budget and look at, man, like, what you value, your possessions, like the things that you hold so dear. Uh, fellas, maybe females, I don't know, but fellas specifically, I'm gonna call you out on your fantasy football league. Come on, somebody. Like, man, when that thing starts rolling around, you're looking at statistics, you're looking at the players and the teams, and man, you spend a lot of time and energy on that. Like worship is connected to a lot of things in our life. And I don't want you to mishear me because those things aren't bad things. We just might not have them in the right order. We might have misplaced some things in life. And, and I read this statement in college as I was studying worship and, and, and going to school for music. And, and I read this statement by a guy named Harold Best. He wrote this book called Unceasing Worship. And he said this, when we sin, worship doesn't stop. It just changes direction. Ooh, yeah, let that sink in. When we sin, worship doesn't stop. It changes direction. And so you might be sitting here wondering, well, why does it change direction? Like, why can't I sin and worship? And we're going to kind of dive into that a little bit. But I think it's important that we ask this question, why? Now, parents in the room, this, this is a question our kids love to ask, right? Like our kids love to ask why. In fact, uh, my, my daughter here sitting on the front row, Ember, now she'll, she'll come to me mostly when she was littler, but she would come to me and she would go, Daddy, can I, have, uh, can I have a cupcake for breakfast? I'm like, for real? Like a cupcake? And what's so funny, parents, is we say, no, you can't have a cupcake, but you can have a muffin, which is just a bald cupcake. <laughs> for real. Like you can't have birthday cake, but you can have fried cake with syrup for breakfast. Right? Like we're fooling ourselves. So we go, oh no. Well, and, and then she goes, well, why can't I, like, why can't I have birthday cake? Like, why can't I have ice cream and, and cupcakes? And I'm like, well, cause, cause it's just pure sugar. And you got to start out with like some bacon and some eggs. And she's like, well, why? I'm like, well, cause it's not healthy for you. Why? Why this? Why that? Like, and I think, I think why is an important question to ask when it comes to worship? Because, because what I've realized about kids is kids ask why out loud, but adults, we, we still have why questions. We just, we just don't ask them out loud. We just kind of wonder. We let things stir and, and kind of marinate in our thoughts. And, and so I want to I kind of bring this why question to the forefront because I want to illustrate worship like this. Why we worship is we're magnifying something, right? Did you guys play with magnifying glasses as a kid? Like, you're, like and, and all this is really doing is making something bigger in life. And so like when you're worshiping or magnifying your calendar, that thing is the ultimate in your life. And it's just misplaced. Like when we, when, we, when we magnify everything about our kids, like we love our kids, but in the rightful place, like our money, our time, our fantasy football league, your iPhone, okay? So I wanna kind of dive into this story 
in John 12, where the disciples asked Jesus, why? And starting in verse one, it says this, six days before the Passover, Jesus went to Bethany, the home of Lazarus, the man he had raised from death. They prepared a dinner for him there, which Martha helped serve. Lazarus was one of those who was sitting at the table with Jesus. Then Mary took a whole pint of very expensive perfume made of pure nard, poured it on Jesus' feet, and wiped them with her hair. The sweet smell of the perfume filled the whole house. I want you to underline filled the whole house. We're going to come back to that. One of Jesus' disciples, Judas Iscariot, the one who was going to betray him, said, why wasn't this perfume sold for 300 silver coins and the money given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief and he carried the money bag with him and he would help himself from it. So now what you need to know about chapter 12 is what comes before chapter 12 is chapter 11. We're getting, well, we're getting real deep in church. We're like, we preach God's word here at Coastal. But when we look at this story and just look at the story by itself, we aren't getting the full picture. It's a great story by itself. But what you got to understand is the, the, the person of Lazarus is so significant to this story because just days before what happened is more of this like, so we're in chapter 11, okay? And what is chapter 11 here in, in the US? What does that mean? It's bankruptcy, correct. But what we're seeing here in chapter 11 is actually a spiritual bankruptcy because what had just happened in chapter 11 is Lazarus was dead. Like the clock had run out, he is gone. And Jesus shows up, he hears Lazarus has died, he's weeping with his friends, and then he says, you know what? I'm gonna change everything about this situation. I, I'm gonna roll this stone away. Lazarus, come out of the grave. And guess who is there to witness that? Mary. So you think about, this is just, this event is taking place just days later, and Mary's saying, oh my goodness, Jesus walks into this dinner and she goes, this is the person that just changed everything for my brother Lazarus. This is the person that changed everything for my family. And Jesus wants to do the very same for your family. He wants to change everything for your situation. He wants to make dead things come back to life. He wants to give you a fresh start and that's what he's done. And so Mary's response is a response to what God has done in her life. And so what, I, what I've realized about worship and, and Mary's act of worship is so significant, but it doesn't look anything like what we define as worship today. Like we've, we've defined worship and we've, we've confined it to a specific genre of music, but we've also confined it sometimes to a place, right? Like, like but I, I, I'm, I love music. Like how many of you guys are, are like rock and, like I'm rock and roll all day. Like we get in my car, we're gonna listen to some Guns N' Roses. We're gonna listen to some like real rock and roll music, some Led Zeppelin, like some Van Halen. Like, but I, I, know, that's, I, I know that country music has just taken over. I, let's just be real. Like, like anybody with a truck and a dog is going to the lake, listen to some country music. Come on, somebody. And, 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 and adults, spouses, you've got your R&B playlist for those times. And, and that's great. Like we have, we have music for everything, right? But, and, then we, and then we have our worship playlist, right? And, and what we think about this is worship starts when the clock hits zero, like you know the routine, we just did it today, the clock hits zero and some dude in skinny jeans comes out with an acoustic <laughs> guitar and he's got a cool hat maybe and he's got cool sneakers and he just chugged a kombucha backstage. Like that's what we think is like, oh, this is when worship starts. 
But I don't, I think we're missing something here. I think, I think it's so much more significant because when we understand worship, you understand worthship. When you understand worship, you'll understand this idea of worthship. Let's go back to verse three. Then Mary took a whole pint of very expensive perfume made of pure nard, poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped them with her hair. The sweet smell of the perfume filled the whole house. One of Jesus' disciples, Judas Iscariot, the one who was gonna betray him said, why wasn't this perfume sold for 300 silver coins and the money given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. He carried the money bag and would help himself from it. So my question for you today, church, is this. What is God worth to you? It's an important question in life. It might be the defining question in life. And to give you some perspective of the cost of Mary's worship, because worship costs you something. The perfume she had poured on Jesus' feet was worth about 300 denarii in, in that day and age. And I know we don't spend denarii. You're not like, it's not like Bitcoin or like your credit card. It's, so you're kind of going like, well, what is 300 denarii worth? It's about 54,000 US dollars. So man, the significance of that, like think about it. that's a That's a decent salary for somebody. That's a car. That's a down payment on a house. Like that's a lot of things. And what the disciples were shocked at was not necessarily like just the fact that it was this very expensive item, but it was the amount. I mean, she poured it all and they're going, man, it's just too much. But what they didn't realize is Mary had this, this, this item that Mary had decided to use as her act of worship was actually uh, a perfume that was used for burial. So they would actually prepare the body with this specific perfume and, and she most likely purchased this for herself. So the significance is just days later. Remember, this is Passover. This is a significant time in Jesus's life because just days later, he would be crucified. So what Mary is doing is not only recognizing what Jesus has done, but what he's going to do. He's gonna give the ultimate gift. He's gonna give the ultimate sacrifice. And in this moment, she's in the middle of that going, I'm gonna be a, a, a vessel. I'm going to be somebody who's a part of the preparation process for Jesus to be crucified. So it's this incredible moment, but the disciples are looking at this like, man, it's just too much. Like, why would you waste that? And I think sometimes we do that in life. Like we do that sometimes. And it's all about perspective because you see two very different perspectives here. You see Mary, who's like, man, look at what God has done for me and my family. I, I know what he is going to do. But also you have Judas. You have this guy who's been with Jesus. You have this disciple of Jesus who's been following him, who's been, he's been invested in, and he's worried about money. He's not realizing the significance of this moment. He's just insecure. He's, he's letting money kind of rule his life and magnify his life. And sometimes I, I get asked this question like, man, why do people respond in, in such magnificent ways. Like when, when, we, when we come in here and we worship, like I, I, did anybody else like not grow up in a hand-raising church? Like I didn't grow up in hand-raising church. Like did, did anybody else just like grow up in church where it was just kind of like just stiff statues all day? And if somebody raised their hand, you're like, whoa, it's getting real spiritual in here. <laughs> so I wanna kind of help us out for a second. Can we, can we throw this? I found this cool chart. Uh, of hand of, of like different right so so here's what I love we got Anthony on the front row Anthony's style of worship isn't even on here he's a drummer he's literally drumming the entire service he's keeping the, he's keeping the band on beat right so we've got these different levels 
of, of like kind of, you know, you've got rookie, you've got intermediate pro expert. And so we've got, we've got el- anybody an elbow flapper in here? This is just where you live all day, right? And some of you are like, okay, I'm going to graduate. I'm going to carry the TV. Now big screen, <laughs> right? This one's my favorite because this goes now to intermediate. You've got my fish is this big. My fish is this big. And then if you're a liar, it's this big, right? Like you've got, hold my baby, Mufasa, right? And then we're, we're going we're gonna to level up with the dueling light bulbs. I've never seen this. I don't know who's, to, if, if you're doing that, that's a little, that's a little weird. We've got, we've got goalposts and then heartburn, right? Like we've got all these different, this is me all day. I'm the hatchet and sometimes the pointer, maybe the school hand, like, like we've got all these different styles of, of worshiping him. And, and I have a lot of people go like, man, why do, why do we do this? Well, this is just an act of surrender. This is just going, God, like I'm surrendering in this moment. And I think if you were to ask people, I think if you were to go up to them and and really ask like, man, like I love watching you worship. Like why, why do you respond in worship that way? What they would probably tell you is, man, I, I, I came here and God changed everything for my family. I saw my kids' lives changed. I saw my life changed because I went in the hub and I had this illness that God had never delivered me from. And then all of a sudden in that moment, when I got around people that had the, had the gift of prayer and encouragement, God changed everything about my life. My body was healed. My mentality changed. Like you would probably meet people and see that God had totally redeemed them from what they once were. And that's why we worship. So, so I want to give us three reasons of why we worship. Number one, if you're taking notes, worship is your weapon. Worship is your weapon. Ephesians 6, 12 puts it like this. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Like there are things after you in life. When you start to worship, you're going to start feeling like, man, there's something after me. And it's an enemy. We, we have a real enemy, but we serve an even bigger God. And if we'll choose to magnify him above that enemy, man, it can change everything about our circumstance. You know, our word for this year is advance. And, and I love this word because it keeps us in this focused position in life. And I think in order for us to advance as a church, we've got to remember that in the Bible, who would they send in first in the battle? They would send the worshipers. That's not very like encouraging, right? Because again, it's a skinny dude, it's a skinny dude in skinny jeans. And like, what's he going to offer, right? Like, like it's kind of disheartening, but I don't think you understand the power of God's word. I don't think you understand the fact that like when we are worshiping God and we're choosing to magnify him above everything else, what we're doing is we're taking God's word and just putting it to music and instruments and using those things to magnify him. I love these verses that, that, that explain the power of God's word through worship. Psalm 33, 4 says, For the word of the Lord is right and true, and he is faithful in all he does. Isaiah 55, 11 says, God himself promises in his word that his word will not return void and will accomplish what he desires and achieve the purposes in which he sent. Like, if he's going to accomplish something, he's going to keep his word. He does not break his promises. He's a promise keeper. And Psalm 22, 3 says, God inhabits the praises of his people. So when we're singing these songs, we're literally speaking the very words of God himself into existence and into our situation. And, and when we allow the light of God to shine in our dark circumstances, John 1, 5 puts it like this, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. 
And when I think what happens is when we allow the light of God to come into our life in negative circumstances, what happens? Those things start to get disintegrate. Have you ever like let the sun shine through a magnifying glass and you're like wreaking havoc on an anthill, right? <laughs> like, or you're burning some leaves trying to start a forest fire. Smokey the bear is totally after you at that point. But what happens? Those things start to get less and less. They start to burn up because we're, we're letting the light of God shine through that dark circumstance. We're speaking scripture over our lives. We're praying and asking God, God, I need your strength in this moment. I'm overwhelmed. But it also applies in our positive circumstances. What happens when you let the light of God into your, per, in, into your positive circumstances? Those things start to gain clarity. You start to experience those times of refreshing because you're magnifying him above everything in life. We have to remember and that there, there's such good news that regardless of how dark things get in our life, that there's still hope. And hope's name is Jesus. And, 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 I, and, and I, I'm a huge like UFC fan. I don't like fighting, but I like, uh, like watch other people fight. And so I, I, I have a picture of a, a, probably my favorite fight I've ever seen. And it was this real, like, th these, are, these are, were nobody fighters back in the day. I, I, I was invited to go watch uh, the Conor McGregor fight a couple, couple years ago. And what I realized about headline fights is like his fight was like at two in the morning. So I didn't even, I didn't even get to his fight. Um, this was the first fight of the night. This is Sean O'Malley, who is a bad man. I mean, this dude has an incredible strike. This is Chris Mutino. You've probably never even heard of this guy. And nobody had heard of this guy. He, he actually, uh, uh, Sean's opponent actually dropped out of the fight and 11 weeks before the fight. So they're scrambling, looking for this new guy. And Chris is like, I'll do it. And they're like, really? We've never even heard of you. Like what, what, like, what threat are you? And he's like, I'll do it. Like, put me in. And so what happens is that we get in this fight. And, and I mean, Chris, look at Chris's face. I mean, it's, it's not going well for him. Like he has the face that is just screaming to be punched. And he's just getting pummeled. In fact, in this fight, Sean O'Malley lands 230 significant strikes. That's the second most strikes in UFC history. In this amateur fight. And you're going, man, like what is going on? Like his face looks a lot like my life right now, right? Like you might be sitting here going, man, like I relate to Chris, like it's been rough. But I'm here to tell you that worship is your weapon. Because what happens in this fight and what I love, if you have a chance to go watch this fight, what you see is Chris, he took this position that was just incredible. He stayed at the center of the ring and he just kept advancing. He just kept advancing. Center of the ring. He's pushing O'Malley out to the side. And what I think sometimes in life is we get scared and we stop making worship our weapon and we, we come to the outside of our situation. What we really need to do is what Chris did. We need to stay at the center. We have a firm foundation, the rock on which we stand. We just sang about it. Like if we would just stay centered and go, God, like I need you in this moment and I'm just gonna keep pressing. I'm gonna keep advancing. I'm gonna keep fighting and I'm not gonna give up because you don't give up on me. So why would I give up on you? That's called faith. So we've gotta keep advancing in life. And, and, and I think it's so significant that we understand the battle has already been fought. The battle has already been won. And honestly, Chris lost this fight. I'm not gonna to lie to you. He did lose the fight, but he didn't back down. Even when they called the fight, because they're looking at Chris's face going like, man, it's done. But his attitude 
And his advancement in that moment was so impressive. And I think it just reminds me that, man, I just got to keep focused. I got to keep advancing. I got to continue to make worship my weapon. And so when, it, when worship is our weapon, Jesus comes and says, I'm your ever-present help in your time of need. We got to keep that perspective. We've got to remember that that's why we worship. Number two, worship brings you back to why Jesus is worthy. Brings you back to why Jesus is worthy. John 12, three, the sweet smell of the perfume filled the whole house. Now, I don't know about you, but like, I'm, I'm a smeller. Like, like, mine, like I have a crazy sense of smell. Like if you walk past me and you're wearing cologne or perfume, like I'm probably gonna be like, hey, whoa, wait a second, what is that? Like I just did it to TJ the other day. I was like, what is, what is that amazing smell? <laughs> and, and what smells do is they, they, especially if it's a strong, overwhelming smell, is there's, there's kind of two instances. You have like, man, what is that smell? You ever walked into like a restaurant or somebody's house and you're like, ooh, no, thank you. Get me out of here immediately. Like, it's overwhelming, right? But have you ever been to like, like real estate agents? They, they do this thing during an open house. When you're going and, and, and house shopping, a smart real estate agent will bake some cookies, right? And you walk in and what they're trying to get you to do is imagine yourself in this house already. They're trying to get you to imagine making cookies with your daughter, or they're trying to take you back to that smell memory of you baking cookies with your grandmother when you were a kid. Smells overwhelm a totally, they, they overwhelm because they're changing an atmosphere, right? And this is exactly what we're seeing is that the, the, the smell, the aroma filled the whole house. And, and sometimes, like I remember this one time, Andrea and I, we were staying in Miami and we, we, we walk in this lobby and the, in the lobby, like, it was like they were trying to cover something up. I mean, it was like, it was just the worst. It was like the worst, like it, it, it was meant to be a good smell, but it was just absolutely terrible. Like we'd walk in and be like, oh my gosh, like what is happening? And it was, it was absolutely terrible. And, and, and smells can try and magnify things or cover things up. And, and maybe you walked in here today and you're like, man, I, I'm trying to cover something up. I'm just here to tell you, like, we got to remember that Jesus is worthy of our worship. He's not afraid of your past. He's not afraid of what you've done. Whatever you're trying to cover up, he's trying to go, man, like, let me take that thing from you. Like, we got to remember why Jesus is worthy. We've got to remember this act of worship was so significant. And, and really, the, the aroma that filled the whole house was actually so important because you, you see this moment where Mary is experiencing all this scrutiny, all this, all this judgment. And I think a lot of times when we watch somebody worship, we're, we're a little bit judgy. We're like, man, what's, what's going on? But what, it actually was not only devaluing the act of worship, it was devaluing the very presence of Jesus. And listen, I want you to know that Jesus values you. Jesus values you so much. I love how, I love how Romans 5, 8 puts it. It says, but God has shown us how much he loves us or better yet, he has shown us how much he values us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Better yet, when he died for us, he was put on display for everybody to see. You're so, so valued. First Peter 2, 9 says this, but you are the chosen by God 
chosen for high calling priestly work, chosen to be a holy people, God's instruments to do his work and speak out for him, to tell others of the night and day difference. Like, man, when Jesus gets a hold of your life, when you begin a relationship with him, there's no denying the night and day difference that he makes in your life. For those of us who have been called according to his purposes, who have, who have, who have said, I mean, I'm going to step into this relationship with Jesus. Like there's a night and day difference. I'm not the person I once was. Everything has changed and I'm moving forward. I'm advancing. It says the night and day difference he made for you from nothing to something from rejected to accepted. Mary went from, if you, if you go and read about Mary, she went from nothing to something. She went from rejected to accepted. And, and maybe, maybe you're here today and that's you. And, and I know that this woman in this story knew the grace of God on her life. And, and I would wonder if you actually knew the grace of God on your life. You know, I, uh, this past year was, was, a, was a difficult one for my family. We, we, lost, uh, we lost my grandfather. And uh, I had to take an emergency trip in November um, to, to go visit him for what I knew was probably gonna be the last time I would see him. And as I was sitting with him, and, and we have a picture of him, this is Charles Richmond Reed. And uh, man, he's just a jovial guy. I mean, you can just see it on his face. Like his joy was his job. And I remember sitting with him and, and just thinking about all the times that we had spent together and, and what he meant to our family. And, and one of the things he would do, he had this like kind of John Maxwell voice and like his voice kind of sounded like his singing voice kind of sounded like Johnny Cash. And, and what he would do is he would sing scripture. Like he just make songs up. Like we'd be sitting around, he, he, he'd get reminded of a scripture for, for that particular moment. And then he'd just start singing, just making stuff up. And, and towards the end of his life was no different. As his health was deteriorating, he was using worship as his weapon. Yeah. And he was constantly reminding himself why Jesus was worthy. And there was a friend of his, actually, what, one of his favorite things to do is that, you know, he lives out on this beautiful piece of land in Missouri, and, and, and he would just sit out on his front porch and sing. And a friend was sitting with him, and, and my grandfather started singing, and, and, and this friend actually captured a, a, a really beautiful moment I want to share with you guys. If you'll take a listen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever. Amen. Pretty powerful. Didn't need a guitar, didn't need a band. Honestly, it sounded like it was pulled straight out of heaven. And my grandfather knew a few things in life. He knew that worship was his weapon. Didn't matter if times were good, times were bad, times were just fine. That was his response. He was constantly reminding himself and others 
why Jesus is worthy. But he also understood something else, that, that worship is our lifestyle. And again, like, when we sin, worship doesn't stop, it changes direction. And he was always taking an opportunity to put the thing that he valued most on display for everybody to see. And I wanna give us an opportunity to do that today. I wanna give us an opportunity to respond in worship and I wanna take some time in this service to do just that. So will you guys stand with me? And we're gonna magnify Jesus above every situation in our life, above every name in our life. And so God, we thank you in this moment that you are worthy. God, that we can magnify you above every situation and every circumstance through the good times, through the bad times, through the times of refreshing, the times of struggle. God, we choose to worship you. God, we love you in this place. We thank you that you're our firm foundation. We thank you that we can take these words that we're singing and use them as a weapon through our circumstances. God, we say that you are worthy, that you are awesome. God, that we honor you. God, that we give you all the glory and all the praise in this moment. We love you, Jesus. We magnify you. It's in Jesus' name we say, amen. Come on, let's worship. Wow.